what do you what would you say is the key difference there? Well, composers spend time uh, composing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin Nikolai, and this week on The Perplex Pet, we have Will Pertz, who got his PhD in music in Michigan, and is the type of guy who composes symphonies, but also incorporates his knowledge of programming to make use of technology in his work. Come learn how this construction worker, who was late to the college game, became a musician whose work has been played all over the world. Up next... Will Pertz. There's only been a couple. I was really young. How young were you? This is Will Pertz. I'm Kevin Nikolai. You are listening to The Perplex Pat. Today my guest is Will Pertz. He is a composer. He likes to mix classical music with a little technology. And he's into something called moment form. There's a little bit of math to his work and improvisation. He has had shows in Daejeon, Singapore, Prague, New York, Daegu, all over the place. You can listen to one of his songs right now. If you've got iTunes, you can look up Fusion from Centaur Records. Uh, he, got, he got his uh, DMA in composition at Michigan, and he studied the bass in Florida. Is that about right? Did I mess anything <laughs> up, Will? Skimming over the top, yeah. It's... That's me skimming over the top. Well, thanks thanks for coming on the Perplex Bat today, Will. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. It's good to have you. Okay. All right. You don't want to uh, ask me, you know, start the same way you start with everyone? Let's go back. We'll get to the drugs if we... <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can start sure, a different kind of Sure, we can, we, can, we can start back. So I got Will Pertz on here. I've known Will Pertz for a while. We've worked on a lot of projects together, including an app called Kevin's Proverbs where Will is not just a composer, he also is a programmer. So he was the main writer of the code for our app, Kevin's Proverbs. You can download that right now on your iPhone for free. Um, so what I wanted to talk with Will about, starting at the beginning, I want to see how he became to be this composer programming person. I want to go back to your childhood. You want to go back to where it all started? Why I want to go, I want to go become, how did, how did, how did you end that? up this way? Yeah, That's what I want to know. So my story is a little bit different. Okay. Um, I'm uh, Somewhere in the future, it could be 100 years, could be 1,000 years, somewhere in the future, someone decides that the work I'm doing now, even this, this conversation we're having, is so important, so profoundly affecting the future that they eventually when they do invent time travel they have to go back to the past and have a small tiny influence to make sure that i'm doing the work that i'm doing i like that you're a so that person. brings up the question that, that that the part i'm not sure about is which part of my past did this person from the future go back to influence huh let's to start. make sure that it happens so for example sure um i'll just give you a small example um, at Michigan, in my dissertation, I wrote a piece uh, called Intelligentsia. It means high art. And in the piece, um, I used the images from, well, the musicians, it was an orchestra, and had all written music, but that one piece, they could do whatever they wanted. 
just be crazy. And um, there was electronic music that had crunching plastic mm -hmm. playing along with it. And then in the video was pictures from the cave paintings in Lascaux, the old oh, cave yeah, yeah. art, hovering in a museum. So if you're walking through the museum, the paintings aren't hanging on the wall. They're just floating in the air. And you're walking around, the paintings are floating around you, like sheets of painting. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really futuristic looking video. Mm -hmm. So you, you so, kind of... You, well, you, the, the point yeah. is, did the person in the future go back all the way to Lascaux to make sure that cave painting got made? <laughs> so I would find it later and use it in my art to get graduated from Michigan to go forward to now. Sure. That's one possibility, which means everything I did up to that point was from me. Right. So that begs the question, did, was that true? Or did they go back to another point in time where, for example, um, I was flying to California to visit a friend, and we were going to drive up Pacific Coast Highway to San Francisco, and I was catching a real early flight. And I get to the uh, airport, and I was like one minute late for my flight. They wouldn't let me check in. So I had to take a later flight. And then we left L.A. and drove up the middle of the state and stayed up by San Francisco. And then a week later, we came back and drove only halfway up Pacific Coast Highway to uh, around near the Hearst Castle mm -hmm. and a little town called San Juan Obispo. Okay. And we were going to see a movie. And there was about an hour till the movie started. And I went into the bookstore and was just walking around. And I saw this book called The Elegant Universe. I was like, oh, that's a pretty nice title. And I bought it and I started reading it. And it was all about physics and string theory. Mm -hmm. And it totally, entirely changed everything I'm writing in my music. Wow. I completely almost stopped studying music and wanted to start studying physics to write. Huh. So did that person from the future go influence <laughs> that guy to not let me on the airplane so that I had to drive up the state? So I would so I made sure I bought that wow. book. <laughs> it sounds like you kind of have a destiny, a fate's kind of image of, of the universe for yourself. Yeah. That, that like everything was meant to be and come to be for you. It, you don't notice, you know, like every time we go down a path yeah. and you turn right, you turn left, every turn, you know, the Hawking said every moment happens, but it's just the ones we notice that we live. Mm -hmm. um, but every possible timeline can go. But turning left to turning right is very different. You, it changes your whole future. Mm -hmm. But you don't notice that until you turn, until you're standing there, you're like, I want to go, I got, I'm going that way, but I want a donut first. And then you go to that donut shop and you meet someone that is another, you know, an actor or another writer or someone, and you end up bonding this huge relationship mm. that goes on forever. If you, originally you were just going to the store over here to buy a light bulb, mm -hmm. and you had to turn right instead of left to get that donut that distracted you, you don't notice those things. Mm. You know, I think that's a very appropriate mindset for a type of guy. I've known you for seven years. And you're the type of guy who has had such an interesting path to where, how you've gotten here. Because you didn't start young, like, I'm going to go to Michigan and do, do the, be a composer, right? Mm -hmm. You had this whole career as a construction guy. You were in charge of construction. But work. it may be that that person from the future made <laughs> sure that my father gave me a shovel. Right. And that I learned that shovel... And then I realized, well, that shovel's the same as a bulldozer, right. and that shovel's the same as a backhoe, and that shovel's the same as a front-end loader. They're just bigger and different shaped. Mm -hmm. But learning that shovel um, caused me to learn these, these big machines and then learn about these big jobs and learn about time. Yeah. Because most 
You know, we live in this fast world right now, and, and so many people at universities, so many people that I know, they don't have the experience of um, blue collar or you know work mm -hmm. going out and doing right. that kind of work, and then spending that much time right. on one thing, whether it's a construction job. You know, the uh, I'm into the the James Webb Telescope now mm -hmm. just got launched. Amazing. They've been spending more than twenty years designing yeah. it. And then only one little tiny thing can go wrong, and it's done. There's no way to go out and repair it. Right. Um, people don't think that way. Yeah. Some people do. The the people that are working on these big projects. Right. And movie, movie produce movie people that write movies. Um, they spend a long time writing the script, and then six, eight months shooting it, one frame at a time. Mm -hmm. But the world is becoming super fast paced. So I think. It's not that I was a construction worker that became a musician. It's that that was necessary. Right. That's interesting. For me to find my my thing I wanted to do. And, yeah, look, the changeover from that, there's another moment where that guy, you know, from the future, <laughs> I was playing in a heavy metal band, and I got my first computer when the band broke up, and I started with some program and chose some orchestra instruments and started writing in the program and I went and had a bass lesson mm -hmm. and my bass teacher just electric bass mm -hmm. he's and I played him what I made he's like that's better than most of the students at the university you should go to the university mm -hmm. and I was already 30 right and I just been doodling right with uh and you hadn't been to any university by the time you were 30 no. Right, and I didn't went. know how to write music down that was the thing I need then I really had the sound in my head but I didn't know how to write it down and I did have find some of my old notebooks where I tried to draw like a treble clef. It was all backwards. <laughs> and I didn't know how to put a time signature. I didn't know anything about writing music down. Huh. So I had to go to the university to learn that part. Hmm. And then, uh, yeah, that's, and I just started figuring stuff out. I sort of um, find myself thinking about what I want to do as opposed to what I'm told is works well. Mm -hmm. Like most people find out what works well and they use that. That's sort of the, uh, especially in music, the mindset. Um, and I sort of decide what do I want to happen? What do I need to do to get that to happen? I don't care. Zero. I don't care if that's good or bad, mm -hmm. if that's been tried or not. Right. That's what I want to happen. Okay. What I had to do to get there. Then, so that's sort of the futurist part of the futurist mentality is I don't look at the past right. to go forward. I look at where I want to go forward, and then I pick the bits from the past that I might want to use or that might help me. A little bit backwards, where most people think about what they know right. or what they got from the past, then they start you know, making it into theirs. So do you think you're, you're the type of guy I know who's like done a lot of projects. You've worked on a lot of huge projects in your life. Like the drink of the wise you're working, you've been writing that since like 2007, right? How do you even know the date? <laughs> <laughs> I do research before yeah, I talk to people. Good job, Kevin. Um, but but I, th I think that's tied together, that people who are kind of project-oriented kind of look toward the future, like what do you want to do next hmm. a lot. Because like when you're done with the project, you move on because you want to keep on saying, well, how do I make that thing happen that I want to make happen? And you've got kind of a singular focus forward in that way. Yeah, and uh, you know some of the stuff that I wrote, I I just started writing, mm -hmm. or um, you know think of an idea, write down a couple 
couple things I want to happen, maybe in orchestra music or something. But these days, since since I started playing the bass again, mm-hmm. and I started putting this surround system together, uh, I've been like going through small bits of what I want to do and blowing those up. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one, each show I did last year, the, the spring show with Dejan Arts Collective, Amorphous, Fall show, and the one in Daegu, four different approaches, four completely different, I rewrote all my patch, all my code for each of those shows, and the new one I'm starting now. But they're all connected. They're all bits that I haven't done yet, mm-hmm. and they all come, go to the next one. Like Amorphous was, uh, I'm sorry, um, as there are grains of sand, right? That's the last one I did, mm-hmm. is uh, basically infinity. Mm-hmm. Time is infinite mm-hmm. in all possibilities, grains of sand, because there would be an infinite amount of grains of sand in the, in the universe. It's followed up by singularity. <laughs> One grain of sand. Right. <laughs> Just focusing on that one. <laughs> nice. So there is a connection to everything too, and it goes way back, and, and all this started late at the end, right at the end of my undergrad. Mm. So started getting my voice mm-hmm. and and sort of thinking about what is like everyone finds their voice differently. Mm-hmm. What is you know what do I want to say to the world? And mine early on, right at that point, was not to know everything, to know how to do it but to know what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So if I come across something, I don't do it. Right. Like, there would never be, um, I would probably never say fuck in my music. Because right. Zappa said it so much. Right, right. Like, he already did that. <laughs> Fuck's taken. It's taken. <laughs> um, or that rhythm, I'd carry that rhythm, the uh, dun-da-da mm-hmm. rhythm. That's in a lot of classical music. It's mm-hmm. heavy in Zappa's music. You won't find it in my music. You can go through every score I've written. I'm very specific not to use this certain rhythm. Just because See, I... It sounds like a lot of your focus is on getting like originality then. If you're trying to avoid borrowing or... There, there's an argument in that, and I want to... Oh, I should go on record. <laughs> People say, everything's been done. You can't possibly do anything new. Well... Screw you. Because <laughs> uh, Pierre Boulez was at Michigan. He's, he's the guy who coined the term where you need to burn the opera houses. Basically, mm. you have to destroy everything. Mm. Everything. Burn mm. it down to go forward. And he said that maybe, he was younger, maybe in the 1950s. Uh, came to Michigan in 2010 or 11 when I was there. And Another phrase just stays in my head. What they're doing in electronic music in Paris now is in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And those kind of words, uh, in its infancy, that means it's a baby. Now, 10 years later, it's not even a teenager yet. Right. It's all new. Mm-hmm. It's all different. And I want to look at it. I wanna, uh, that's what I'm teaching myself now. Is, right. is, uh, and in some of these um, classes I go to online... Uh, they talk about uh, what, the limit of 256 channels. <laughs> you have 256 microphones? <laughs> and now you can have five, uh, infinite amount of channels or over a thousand channels because they have that much. Stuff. They're mm. using that. They're doing that in uh, rooms, whole rooms where you go in and the sound moves with you or moves through the room. And it's, it becomes more of an experience than just sitting there looking at the stage 
and right. some people up there, you know, doing their thing that they've been practicing for 20 years. It's it's a new experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I like to look at the future more than the past. It's kind of easy to look at the past. Just find a book about what you want to look at or find a recording of what you want to look at, and that's kind of easy, and copy it. One thing I wanted to ask you about is you use um, Max a lot. You study Max. You know how to use the Max program. Mm -hmm. You you use it use it to design the app. You've used it for other things. It's also seemed to become kind of uh, a crucial. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, but part of like your music now. You can you you use it a lot to like play with feeds and um, sending information back and forth and delays and the way you want it to sound and like your ability to program is kind of going hand in hand with your ability to compose. Is that fair? Yeah, so there's a few a few things happening there that okay. you just said. Um, uh, how can I say this? So once, once I started finding out about this, this electronic music and, and this processing thing, uh, I kind of like to let that influence my classical music. Mm -hmm. Just like my, I like my classical music to influence my electronic music. And so, for example, if I had a student that only did electronic music and they just did sort of a type thing, I would say, you need to go study some classical music and learn counterpoint. Mm -hmm. There's tons of counterpoint in my music, no matter what it is. And someone who only studied, if like I had a student, if I had a student that uh, only wanted to... Um, like knew about Mozart, but really liked Mozart, maybe something in the 20th century, I would be like, you really need to learn some stuff about electronic music because they, they kind of um, influence each other, or I, I, I think they should. Mm -hmm. And even the show in Daegu, I used real performers, and knowing that I wasn't going to have time to rehearse with them and get their sounds the way I wanted, but the idea of... Um, bringing the classical composers onto stage and then sort of electrifying them, mm -hmm. knowing what I know about their instruments and about what they can do, mm -hmm. it was very helpful. Would you say that... But, but wait, the yeah. second part of your question then, yeah. Max, it's the program itself, so there's a lot of programs out there. Um, and I, I uh, there's like, what's the one in Apple Logic and Digital Performer, that most you know music studios use, mm -hmm. those are good for making recordings mm -hmm. that you're going to mix and you have time, right? And you can make adjustments as you go right. and make the sound better. But Max is more of like an environment for uh, making your own interface to do what you want it to do, mm -hmm. and you don't need that whole program. Sometimes you just need a little bit of it. Um, but actually, when I first got it, and I didn't know anything about it, I used it in lieu of PowerPoint. Huh. My dissertation, my dissertation defense, I did it in Max. And the file was so large, none of my professors could open it. <laughs> it took 20 minutes to open my dissertation file. Wow. Uh, because I could embed all the music in it. Mm -hmm. And then I have these little keys where... Um, you push that music to play, and then the, the uh, it would start to move a line along the score and change the pages along the score and see my my analysis of the score. Mm -hmm. And and it was 3D because PowerPoint is just frame one, frame two, frame three, frame four. I just had one page. 
right. in Max. It was one page with some buttons on it, and if you click that button, it opened three-dimensionally the, the, on top with a list maybe of the composers, and you click that and it gave their information, and you close them, you can go click another one, there's all the sound examples, and I thought, wow, mm -hmm. you can just move from place to place with this program, and you, you aren't stuck with going from A to B to C that way. Right, You right. can go um, X, Y, Z, X axis, Y axis, Z axis, the way the program works. Huh. And so then I started spending time uh, figuring out how to hook things up and how it functions. I'm just now getting getting into uh, a deeper understanding of the program because I never took any classes. Mm. It's all self-taught. And I know there are people that took classes and they can write some really fancy stuff. Uh, fantastic and fancy with Max. Would you would you say that most composers these days have to know a little bit about this kind of stuff to to create good music now, or about what kind of stuff? About programming and um, no. being able to no. It depends on what what um, what they're going for, right? And and also the what you say is composer. Right. Versus writer. Okay. Okay, so you have a, a writer writes pop songs to get on the radio. Right. You might not want to call him a composer. Okay. Uh, what, do you, what would you say is the key difference there? Well, composers spend time uh, composing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to see it through and sing it in Not my mind. Just, that sounds good. I'm gonna do that on the radio. There we go. Well, I know. I'm trying to think of something else you would compose that's not music. Hmm. What would you compose that's not music? I guess uh, maybe a novel. You compose. You might. It's composition. You could write a novel too, though, right? Sure. But... So, what's something you could compose that would be different than writing? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, would you call a pop tune composed? You know, compared to symphony, if you're listening to right, Beethoven symphony right. and you listen to, sorry, Blackpink. <laughs> well, you know, it, are you going to say they're both composed? Well, you know, uh, I, I mean, like you remind me a little bit of uh, my uncle Brian, who's like a musician, and like he he plays with the computer stuff a lot. He wants to know all the dials and get it just right, and he spends a lot of the time on that. Or uh, Velo made the beat this other guy went to high school with. He, you know, like that's his job is making little beats, and so he spends a great amount of time. That's, that's like design, cutting sound, things sound down. Design. Sure, sound design, sure. Yeah, I guess maybe there's not much of a difference between a composer and a writer, but I I think the terms are used that composers compose like orchestra and mm. chamber music, right. and uh, writers, songwriters. You know, write lyrics. Right. I guess that's the difference. You're writing lyrics. There's not a lot of lyrics. In, yeah, yeah. In, uh, although in opera, sure. There's, but that's more of a libretto. Yeah. You like to throw a few lyrics and a few words in every <laughs> once in like a while. Words. <laughs> the the um, last video I made had the poem, the as there are grains of sand poem that I wrote, and I. Mm, I took out a few, of the uh, smaller words, but anyway, they got put into the video, and they just sort of showed up on the screen all stretched and bent and backwards and then disappeared and uh yeah i like to play around with words mm. but not too much sometimes 
I want to go back a little bit because something occurred to I'm me. Always going back. I do. I so know. here's the thing. I want to talk. I'm thinking about this from 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 a work perspective, from a teaching perspective. Sure. Um, if I, I can, we can say safely together mm -hmm. that what we did last semester, we can use that at least that much knowledge of teaching next semester and maybe the next semester. Sure. So a one to two ratio. However far back you go. One, you can go two further forward. Okay. So <laughs> you have to be careful however far back we go. We got to go further forward. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just thinking, I was thinking of Philo Farnsworth. Who? Philo Farnsworth. Okay. So Philo Farnsworth, you know, he, he moves to like Rigby, Idaho at the age of six, and there's like electricity in the house. He's blown away. He starts playing with electricity. And then, like when he's like 13 years old, he's a farmer. He's a farm boy. He's going back and forth on the on the plot of land, right, with his horse. And he realized, oh, I can make a TV that way because the horse is going back and forth, and that's how it's doing the lines. The horse doesn't even have much of a brain, and it knows how to go back and forth and turn every time. I'm going to make a TV by thinking about the way that horse goes back and forth. And I was thinking about your construction. Obviously, at the time, you weren't like a composer, but you were still a fan of music. I'm wondering if anything was going on inside your head way back when you're working, working construction, working these big projects, and like uh, listening to music, right? Mm -hmm. I was wondering if there's any connection there. <laughs> if you've had a like a Philo Farnsworth moment. Uh, so of like, oh, this might be grand inspiration for later in life as a something else. I don't know. Um, Especially if the aliens are tinkering with you yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah, the aliens and making, are... And making you become a construction worker and say, you have to give your son a job as a construction worker. Yeah, I'm trying to start, I'm trying to figure out where to start with this, this next answer. Yeah. Um, because it's happening now. Sure. In, heavily happening. Um, I, so when I went to Daegu and I gave a little explanation uh, because the performers there had never improvised mm -hmm. and I was first explained to them you know how to improvise simply by playing over the scale freely and then I, I wanted to because classical composers like a metronome mm -hmm. do 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 that they all can play together to mm -hmm. and I want to get them off that metronome right. and how do you get them off the metronome and just think of time more freely they're they're gonna just they're gonna start going crazy in their mind mm -hmm. hearing the other people. Mm -hmm. It's just gonna sound like a mess. So um, how do I get them to understand that it's not a mess? And so my explanation was that if we were to take everyone's pulse, because so many explanations about music is that the universe has a pulse and and the Earth has a pulse of, of a year and the Seasons have a pulse, and the planet has a pulse of a day, and you get down, the heartbeat is a pulse, and it's about 60, and I've seen, like, piano player tutorials about a metronome that, that our natural pulse is this, and if you took everyone's pulse that was performing in that room, mm -hmm. exactly, they're going to be different. Right. They're going to be out of time. Right. And that's kind of how I think about nature and music birds and trees and volcanoes or whatever that doesn't sit there and count one two three four do, 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 <laughs> right they don't get in single they just do it right. and the time is not in time the way we chopped it up right. to be a pulse mm. now this happened um with charles ives one of the first composers to write multi-temporal music for 
uh, I think he wrote for three conductors, his fourth symphony. And when he was a child, he walked through the car the carnival with his father, mm -hmm. and he heard a marching band playing way off to the right, and he heard another marching band playing way off to the left, and he was perfectly between them. And he was like, wow. And so he started right. writing. Yeah, This I was love like that. 1910. This, I love He that. was just an insurance salesman, by the way. Charles Ives wrote some of the greatest music, and he, he was an insurance salesman. And huh. uh, so on a construction site, when I'm sitting on my bulldozer and the dump trucks are dumping dirt for me <laughs> to yeah. push, yeah. and the dump trucks are backing up, and I'm on the bulldozer backing up, there's alarms. Right. And the alarms are going, doot, doot, doot. And another truck's alarm might be, doot, 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 doot. And my bulldozer's alarm might be, doot. And together they're like, and I'm hearing that all day, every day, for right. years. Wow. That's what did it. That's what made you you. <laughs> One of it, yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of other things. Also, you know, learning to read the blueprints and just being able to, because uh, you have the owners of a company that they just want that daily, monthly profit, and they're going to do whatever wrongly do this work mm -hmm. to get that fast money mm -hmm. and you're on the job and you're like oh no if we do that now it's really going to mess things up so i learned the whole later like look at that plot of land 100 acres mm -hmm. look at that blueprint we're going to be here for two years what's the last thing i have to do mm -hmm. to leave this job for that inspector right. to say 100 percent? right right and how do we get to that last thing mm -hmm. and then along the way just fight with my father and his partners about you guys <laughs> Please don't make it. Please don't do that. No, no, no. This can be so much extra work later. We're going to lose a lot of money at the end. Did your dad have any music? And there wasn't please sometimes. <laughs> I'm wondering, did, did, did your parents have any kind of musical background? My mother played piano when she was oh, young. Okay. She, she was pretty good, I guess. My father, um, you know, you hear about parents and I uh, hear this from people a lot, I guess. Their parents don't listen to music. Right. My father, I guess... He put on Country Channel, whatever Country Channel it was, but it wasn't like he wasn't absorbed. Right, right. He was just thinking about work. Yeah. He was one of those people, like you know, the lecture we just had about uh, uh, the hierarchy of minds in, in Korea mm -hmm. and which years she she described the years and there's a there's a certain age group in Korea where uh, life is work is first. Right. Right. The entire existence is go to work. Right. That's the value. And that's sort of how my father was. Mm -hmm. He was up at like 5 a.m. He was on the, get driving around sometimes, you know, it's an hour or two, because Florida's pretty big, to get to the job. And he's there, you know, waiting, wanting to fire everyone who's late. <laughs> um, and the yeah. jobs are all over the place, so he had a lot, to, a lot of places to go. How many um, times did your dad fire you? No, I probably quit more than he fired. Uh, I, I don't get. I didn't get fired. Get fired. <laughs> okay. But I've walked off the job and left my truck. Mm. Like you guys can have this. Um, Did you have any other siblings that got sucked into the family business of the? Uh, you have a sister or a brother? I have a sister, but yeah. she didn't. Uh, she wasn't forced to come along and learn how to drive a bulldozer. No, she came out to she came out to jobs a few times and maybe did you know worked in the office trailer or. But no, no, she was doing. Her own thing, and I really don't know what my sister did through like our twenties and thirties. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't uh, know what she did. I know she dated my drummer friend. Okay. And, and then so she, she had musical interest too. She was dating your drummer. Friend. She was dating Barry. And yeah, uh, 
Did she did she pick up an instrument in her youth at all, or? No, my sister didn't doesn't play music either. Hmm. Well, I wish I I wish I was a little bit better. I want to get a harmonica next. My my younger brother he plays guitar pretty good. Mm -hmm. I do the drums, but I kind of suck. You suck at drums. I suck at drums. Oh. Well, I mean, I'm okay. I think most rock bands want to want me in there. Yes. I guess it is a talent to play good drums. It really is. I mean, like, I had, to, I had a roommate, this buddy Colin, and he was, like, in the drum corps stuff. Like, the kind of technicality going on in there. And some of those drummers that had up that kind of upbringing where they're in the drum corps thing, because that was, like, an eight-hour-a-day camp thing where you're learning to drum, and people are, like, really anal about, like, how perfectly, you know, you're doing it, your paradiddles or whatever, and... Mm. Just, I mean, if you play any instrument like eight hours a day, you know, like for a summer, you're going to get good at it. Right. I just never liked, when I had bands, I just never liked drummers that just didn't have dynamics. I don't I know. really I don't... like a drummer that can play almost impossible to hear. Yeah. Then you're a good drummer. Yeah. If you can go, uh, do da, do da, do da, do da, whatever. But can you make it get quiet? Because it's just like, boosh, bash, boosh, bash, boosh. Hey, I'm killing everyone. Ah, please stop. I think that's what the Foo Fighters drummer said. He said he just liked to make it as loud as possible. He played it with the, he played, he held it on the wrong end because he thought it'd be louder <laughs> that way. And he just kept playing that way. Well, see, that, that starts with a problem right away uh, at rehearsal. You, um, the drummers can be too loud, but I watch a lot of videos. I go on YouTube and watch a lot of videos and hear like old recordings. And they didn't. The sounds didn't match, but the drum was just like way too loud. You can barely hear the other instruments. Mm. Next, how did you get so good at Max and programming, computer programming? I want to go back to Kevin's proverbs and talk about that a little bit. Me and Will put together a little app on your iPhone where you can uh, look at pictures of proverbs. You kind of guess what the they're they're all well known proverbs. So you just kind of speak into the phone, and if you have the right answer, it'll say ding ding, and then you. You get the point on that. But anyway, I put probably, I don't know, 100 hours into drawing these different things. But you put in like 500 hours of coding into this. How did you get so good at coding? Where did that start? Okay, so let's, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this about myself till I started uh, studying Richard Feynman. Mm -hmm. You know Richard Feynman, the physicist? I've heard of him. Um, he's a really great teacher besides winning Nobel Prize. Uh, one of his lectures talks about the difference uh, between Euclidean math and Babylonian, old Babylonian math. So you, and we live in mostly a Euclidean world, like sort of the pyramid. Um, even in, in our English classes, what's it called? The, uh, uh, the what's that pyramid Maslow's called? Maslow's needs or whatever. No, the one where they, where they, for grading. Oh, Bloom's right. taxonomy. Bloom's taxonomy. It's, it's a pyramid, right, so that's, right. that's Euclidean. Yeah. You start here, and you go to here, and you go to here, and you learn the stuff at the bottom, and you learn the next bit, you learn the next bit. Babylonian math, because uh, he was using it to explain physics, um, they just solved problems all day long. Mm -hmm. You don't have to always remember. Mm -hmm. You just get so good at solving problems. And then this problem leads you to that problem, and you just got a fresh new set of problems the next day, and... Um, First of all, you don't have to remember anything. Mm -hmm. You just have to know how to be able to be, sit down and look at a problem and solve it. Mm -hmm. uh, so by teaching myself so much about music, including composition and orchestration um, and the Macs, I start figuring out. Uh, and 
I taught myself how to make web pages. It just all became how how to solve problems. Again, it's like, what do I want to happen? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to make that happen? Mm -hmm. And then figure it out, like solving a problem. So I live in sort of a problem-solving world. Even the new music that I just started on this year, just a few weeks ago, I didn't throw it away, but I put aside the one that I did in, in last fall in Daegu that I spent six months writing. Mm-hmm. As soon as I finished, as soon as I played it, put it away. I got rid of it. Mm-hmm. I opened up a brand new blank page. Mm-hmm. And then I said, what do I want to do next? And then right away, I have all these problems. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I solve that problem. And slowly, slowly solving these problems like pitch, pitch detection right. that I'm doing now uh, works really well with, a, with like a a single sine wave but when a bass rings a bunch of overtones all my lights start lighting up (laughs) detecting tons of notes so i'm learning how to like sort of sculpt off frequencies and compress it down and squish that bass signal down to Mm. where if i play a d it's going to go bink and that light can just light up a d it's going to detect that pitch Hmm. and of course people have been doing this there's there's a lot of people who've written music for pitch detection but it's my first time so I'm solving it on my own, That's and I'm crazy. learning all the things that don't work. That's the, what a lot of people don't do. That's a huge problem in universities is you're taught everything that's correct, and you don't learn the things that are incorrect. You don't learn how to make mistakes and know those mistakes. That, that would be what I consider learning. Mm-hmm. Learning isn't answering questions correctly, memorizing things for a test. Learning is finding out all the things that don't work. Right. Then you learned. Yeah. So that's what I do, and that's that's sort of Babylonian thinking, huh. um, is just constantly solving problems. And that's what kind of... That's so what, back to the app. Yeah, 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 yeah. Learning how to make that app, I saw your pictures, and I thought, wow, man, Kevin's pictures are so great. And let's, and let's, I just, let's make an app. And, and I sat down, and you wanted to type in a word right. to solve the puzzle. Yeah. And I didn't like the way it looked on the screen. So here's right. the first problem. Uh, I don't like typing. I didn't want to have to type in the word. Right, right. So what else can I do? Well, I can speak the word. So I went and looked up how to speak using voice activation in the phone. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so what's the next problem? I speak the word. How do you know um, it, right or wrong? Okay, so you speak the word and some code hears the correct word and it sends a message solved and then it was just a matter of of putting it all together and and the thing is that's not scary about making apps is someone else already did it all that's out there Mm -hmm. that's real easy that's Mm -hmm. more history than it is future for someone like me is just go look it up right because someone did it someone put images in an app Right. And someone put the little buttons on an app. That's all real easy. You just got to look it up. Mm. There's not really a lot of problems to make that happen. It's just a matter of doing some tutorials and um, and then <clears throat> sending messages. Because right, I was having originally each uh, each proverb, each photo had its own page. You click a button, it takes you to that page, mm-hmm. and then you solve it. And you can go back to this page like a book. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's a lot of pages. There's hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. How, there has to be a way where I can just go to front homepage, click whichever one you want, page two, just switches the picture. Oh, nice. And switches all the information and the answers, which oh, okay. was 
possible, which is what I solved. Ah. So there's only two pages. Ah. That's it. It's That's wild. Home page. You bring up the menu. You click a proverb. You click. You click one of the buttons. The little icons we made, and it repopulates page two with that <laughs> proverb. I'm gonna pull it up. And that's right the now. extra work that I did to do that. That's wild. I you didn't know really, that. I didn't really realize yeah. that before. Yeah, so And one of the things that I like about also but I mean like you kind of came up with like the way the bubbles kind of That was an accident. Actually, that's really? the wrong code. <laughs> that's that's so good that I did that and I was like, oh that's weird and I just left it. Oh, okay. Because most a lot of people use that 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 three three way graph, but Something happened when you scrolled and it bubbled like that, and I really liked it. Yeah, if you, if you go to so if you touch any of those, right? Uh, we're opening an and app then you right go now. back. Okay, go back to the menu, and then that's the same page. You just switched it out. Yeah, that's I just wild. switched it out, <laughs> and everything switched. And that, does that say so? Space? There's like a there's like a um, that references a whole list of things. So one it switches to one with all the information. Two switches to two, so it has like the the meaning and the hints and all that. And three, it's just a chunk, and you can just keep adding to it. Mm -hmm. It keeps filling it in on the bottom. Mm. So that's that's all Babylonian. That's not Euclidean. Mm. I don't know anything about that. And if you would ask me to make an app right now, I'd be like, I have to start right from the beginning like I never made an app before because mm. I have absolutely no idea. If I open that program right now, um, Xcode, mm -hmm. <laughs> no idea. I will look. At, I will have to look up everything f f as though I was a two-year-old learning how to walk. Huh. But then it goes really fast. Right. Right. I look up a few things like, ah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. I okay, now I want to do this, and I'll come to something that I never did, and then I'll have to research it, figure it out, and how to add it. Hmm. Kind of makes being a creative person, it kind of makes being a creative person, um, Free, very, very, very free to do whatever I want. Because mm. I can always start not knowing anything about it and then just look it up. To me, it feels like you have a, a superpower that you're able to do this. No, to work from no, no, I can't, but I don't know how to do this. It, it, like, it gives me stress. It gives me anxiety to think about learning this kind of stuff. Uh, because so, I, I had a lot of downtime. Yeah. I had, you know, homeless time. Where I had lived Let's with my parents. Let's talk about homeless time. I had lived with my parents after I graduated from Michigan. Okay. And I just, they were in the room next to me, so I just sat there for 12 hours a day at my computer doing tutorials. But you, you made use of that time, which is Got impressive. A lot of use. Yeah. Of, mostly, though, it was re-engineering my brain. Right. On how to, like, just do tutorials and do tutorials and do tutorials and learn that and learn that. Do I need to know that? Because before I started figuring out the program... I at least had to learn some basic stuff. What, that was at Max, and then I learned know, web design. Right. And um, again, that's all. That's all history too. I just look up stuff. Um, it's mostly front end design, like, ooh, which is the pretty menu button, or how can I make the background of the web page <laughs> more dynamic? And I'll put something weird in there. Huh. Well, I'm I'm just kind of wondering what was going through your mind. You 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 got you got into Michigan, right? It's kind of a prestigious program. You make your way through it, and you have you've you've shoved all this information and skills into your brain by the time you come out of there, and then you're like living homeless. You put it with your parents. Like, what's going on through your mind with like, um, like what where the future's going and what are you looking for and how did you get out of that space? Or was that just like the the situation of the 
the job environment at that time that or what, what, why, why, why were you in that space exactly at that time? <clears throat> There's only five or 10 jobs a year that I've ever noticed pliable. Right. Right. And there's three or four hundred people applying for it. Right, music. right. Um, it's a crazy competitive. There were field. never any that were like so attracted to me that I'm like, oh my god, I want that job. Uh, and almost every music teaching job, you have to teach music theory. And they tried to tell me, and I even said it today, um, that yeah, music theory. There's certain parts of it uh, that I might want to use. But only if I want to use that part. Um, kind of in the university, you have to know all that stuff cold mm -hmm. to go forward. That's that's just how it is. They're not allowing uh, the John Cages of the world don't get the prestigious university job. Mm. They sleep on couches, right? And that's that's so that's what I had to do, right? Even even my teacher at Michigan, um, the first semester I took avant garde in the twentieth century. It was Bicky. I'd go out and, and talk to him while he was smoking at, at break every day and just say, hey, doc, Dr. Zwerzbicki, how's it going? And he was just like this old kind of quiet guy. And he would be like, he looked at me, he's like, yeah, John Cage slept on a lot of couches. I'm like, what? <laughs> why are you telling me that? <laughs> why, are, why, are you, why are you telling me that? Wait a minute. You don't even know me. Um, so it's just, just with, you know, some people are cut out to go follow that that standard path mm -hmm. of I graduated now I'm gonna teach music theory I'm gonna write some little pieces and I'm gonna teach these little things that I learned and I'm just too radical mm. I want to start with radical right and then if you know music theory comes into it then we'll talk about that right we, you know, we'll teach that but yeah I'm coming at it from a spaceship from a whole nother angle right and so that's what that, you know. That's just my thing. Okay. Do you see yourself working at one of those kind of jobs though in the future? I do. I still yeah. I still apply. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna apply for some now. I would be nervous because I mean, again, that's like the it's like making the app though and making uh, the stuff in Max. It's all it's all there. Someone else did it already. Mm -hmm. Most of those jobs are being filled because someone was doing it and left. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of getting getting there and becoming acquainted with that environment and looking stuff up right along the way that I don't know I, I really don't know what universities are looking for these days um, in the past they were just looking for someone like the more you know the more you're walking book and mm -hmm. can recite all of that the higher your job mm -hmm. the more you can get paid right um, and I don't know how they're gonna look at you know the radical thinker right who uh, Wants to destroy everything. But it's really beautiful. Don't destroy it 100%. Archive it. Okay. I just have one more question for you, Will. Oh, man. What's happening in the future? What's happening in the future? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. There's a lot of things happening. So, um... You got any? You got anything uh, lined up for uh, a show coming up? So, the first thing that that yeah, the first thing that wow, we the heaters on. Um, the first thing that should happen is everything is all of these cables 
are gone. <laughs> There's not a single cable in my life. Yeah. No cable free. Wow, I'm just tired of cables. So I, I did a little bit of that last fall. I got down to only two cables at the Dejan Arts Collective Fall Show. Um, only because I needed one cable to get to the projector. Mm -hmm. And I needed a cable to power my um, MacBook. Okay. The battery would go down. But I, I used wireless speakers. The iPad is now wireless. Um, so if I get a wireless projector and a better MacBook, I, I could be small cableless. Mm. Right? But these surround speakers, um, they still need cables. There's no way to output. And I've been trying it on my Mac. There's no way to output more than three Bluetooth signals mm. to three speakers. So there's no way I could have 100 wireless speakers. That's just what I would want. Yeah. So that's one step in the future. Okay. The other one is the whole hover thing. That these speakers hover <laughs> around the room. And they That'd go be nice. below you and above you. Oh, and there's small that. ones and big ones. And, and so not are you just moving the sound through the speakers, but the speakers and the sound's actually moving. And there's platforms of musicians and they're hovering and it's a big sort of orb. And it could be on Earth, but there's also space orbs, too. You can go up into space to the concerts, space concerts. There's a lot of cool stuff in the future when it comes to music. Um, Have you heard about those microphones that, like, record, like, um, an orchestra, but they record it through someone's ears so that it sounds like, when it's played back, that it sounds more 3D? Like you can like f like sense the person over there and the person over there because it was recorded into the ears. And so when I think about like, well, is it simulated into the ears? Well, I don't, I don't know, but I've because heard that's, that's like a thing that's that's done. what we're doing now. Right. I'm using uh, this this program, and I don't want to. There's our head right there. Oh. We're looking at a two-dimensional representation of where we are. There's a head, oh. and that's that's what's doing. That's what those those programs are doing. We're oh. using it right now. Ah, oh. how many inputs we got going into this thing? Just three. Nice. But I have nine um, because it's um, fourth order Avasonics, so there's nine uh, channels. I need to I need to take our I need to take our audience back a little bit because before I came here, I was like, well, I'm going to record it. Um, the perplex back at your place. Just gonna use GarageBand. He goes, no, no, no. I'm just gonna like whip up a program <laughs> real quick on Max <laughs> so that it sounds better and that we can make it do what I want it to do. So that's also just showing you're like it's showing how much you use Max. That even just for our little session here, you whipped up something to make this work better for us. It's becoming easier for me. Right. We could attract this in GarageBand or. Um, right. And that would be okay, yeah. but I think this is going to have, I, I don't know how, I mean, we did a test recording, yeah. um, and I played around just a little bit with the spread, uh, all the reverbs off, got the aperture closed, so the speaker's sound is narrow, and it doesn't, it doesn't sound too whoa, 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 kind of roomy. Right. Um, but I moved, I moved the spread, and, and if I were to turn that dial right now, the sound would change, like if you're listening now on headphones, mm -hmm. um, I could just move the sound where I want inside Left your head. Right. Oh. I'm not sure how 3D it's get, how it, this is pretty new for me, but there's a certain third dimension happening. Huh. Okay. Be, I'm sorry. Second dimension. Because left and right is only one dimension. Sure. We need a lot more inputs. No, dimension. What if we have, if we have, if we have one like all over your head, would that be three dimensional? See, dude, there's, a, there's, 
uh, there was a job at the university in Atlanta where they're hooking up sensors to the nervous system mm -hmm. to create music. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's going on. <laughs> that seems right up your alley. See, the, the coding part, though, is a little bit nerve. It would be hard for me. Mm. There are people that know how to write that code mm -hmm. um, at the next level down. Right. Right, because Max is a, is a uh, um, object-based. I started messing with Super Collider where it's code. Mm -hmm. Not that difficult, but there's a lot of tutorials. Um, and actually, I started converting Super Collider to Max. So when I see the code, mm -hmm. Super Collider is a code program where you write code and then you hear the sound. And so I started learning some of that code and then seeing what that code says and how which object in Max is related to it and then can I make that happen in Max to help me understand the next level down below the objects but it's still a little bit difficult okay all right well if we're not going to talk about any of the drugs you did or any stories like that then I think I think we're uh, going to finish up here unless you want to well it was Joe Rogan I don't really listen to Joe Rogan very much but I did recently and and it was a um, a guy came on the show. I forget his name, but he was older. He's a physicist. And mm -hmm. He's very well published, and he was talking about his his experience with mushrooms, um, where they they went and found some mushrooms and uh, up in the mountains in Washington, mm -hmm. and they ground them all up and made a Slurpee mm -hmm. because they were really weak. Mm -hmm. So they had to use a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And then they he while he was sleeping that night, um, he had this dream. He First of all, I couldn't sleep, but then he finally slept, and he had this weird fantasy about, like, there were thousands of dead cows in a sunlit pasture. And um, the next morning, he told his friends, he's like, I had this dream. They're, like, calling him Apocalypse Guy, like, into the world. You're the Apocalypse Guy. And then that night, it started raining really hard in, up in, up in uh, Washington, and he had a cabin up in the mountains, and all his stuff, all his books, all his writings were up in the cabin. So he bolted up to his cabin in the mountains, get his papers because mm -hmm. it was really bad rain it was flooding and washing stuff away and then uh, the river came up and washed away the road and um so he was stuck in his cabin for about a week mm -hmm. and then finally they got the road open and then stopped raining and he came around the corner and there was this wide open sunlit field of dead cows Ooh. it's a true story <laughs> and he's connecting it to the mushrooms but never had that experience. Never had that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that interesting for you. <laughs> Nothing that interesting. No. Drugs, you know, I like to smoke pot. I, I woke up maybe two weeks ago, go to the coffee shop, and I was like, oh, man, I really wish I could wake and bake. <laughs> I woke and baked a lot, and it really changes, puts me deep into the zone, especially since it, it's kind of lonely right now during COVID, um, to go deeper into the zone of... of uh, in the zone or get in the spaceship and leave Earth, whatever, whatever it takes to get out of here. How many decades away are we in Korea of them legalizing it? I don't even think about it. <laughs> not in our lifetime. I, I don't know. I don't understand how cultures can be so heavy into alcohol when it's so much more, it's so much worse for you. Right. Physically and mentally than uh, in like pot. But I guess it's left over all, a lot of Asian countries just... Here, see the word drug, right? And 
connected to the word prison. Right. <laughs> That's it. Right. We're not even going to talk about it any further than that. Um, when it's becoming legal all over America, and there, there are there's a lot of drugs here. There's tons of drugs. You can go yeah. to the you can go to the pharmacy and get all kinds of drugs. Yeah. So yeah. there's just that one that you know it's going to make you more creative. We don't want creative. I do. But they don't. I know. They want you, you know, to go to work, and then afterward, there's a separation between work and pleasure. Mm. Yeah. That's a whole other story, isn't it? It really is. I mean, if how many people's majors are their job? Or, sorry, how many people's hobbies are their major? Mm. When your hobby is your major, right, then you can smoke pot all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless it's, you know, an Olympic something. No. Those bobsledding guys, wasn't there some... <laughs> something. I don't know. I don't know about the bobsledding guys. <laughs> and pot beats me. All right. Well, I just want to thank uh, Will Pertz for uh, joining me on the Perplex Path this week. Will Pertz, the composer, uh, app developer, and good friend of mine here in Deja. The cuckoo. I didn't get cuckoo. I want to thank Will Pertz for being a guest on the Perplex Pad. Will, that was very Pertz-like. And this week, I want to thank all the fans uh, in Sweden and Italy. You guys kind of went a little overboard for sending me 43 slices of carrot cake for my 43rd birthday. And because it's my birthday coming up, I normally take the month off um so i'll see you maybe next month or even longer there's no rules in podcasting till the next time i'm kevin nikolai for the perplex pat whatever but can you make it get quiet because it's just like